Hi, we've got three stories from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about the most famous failed experiment in history, how to tell if you're a covert narcissist, and the Monty Hall problem, which might break your brain. Let's satisfy some curiosity on the brain-breaking Curiosity Daily. Our first story today is about the Michelson-Morley experiment, which changed the way we think about physics. And the best part is that the experiment was actually a failure. Most famous failed experiment in history? You decide. Around the start of the 19th century, physicists had the idea that there was a substance pervading the universe. According to them, waves like sound and light needed a medium to travel through. So they came up with the idea of ether. You've maybe seen it spelled A-E-T-H-E-R and it had some kind of strange properties. Supposedly, you could find ether everywhere, but it didn't actually interact with physical matter at all. Oh, and ether had a quote-unquote wind, or ether flow. You know how you feel wind when you stick your hand out of a car window, even if there's no breeze that day? Well, that's kind of how ether flow worked around the planet's surface. Well, in 1887, some physicists started to think that ether only carried light waves, and two physicists designed an experiment to prove it, Albert Michelson and Edward Morley. They had the idea that the flow of ether could affect how fast light moved through it. Here's the basic idea. Think about two swimmers that race down a river for 100 meters. Well, if they swim at the exact same speed, only one is swimming upstream and the other is swimming downstream, then the one swimming downstream will get to the finish faster. Michelson and Morley figured the same should be true of light traveling through the ether. So they built a device called an interferometer. That's basically a one-way mirror to split a beam of light. Half of it gets reflected at a 90-degree angle down one tunnel, and the other half passes down through another tunnel. Then, both beams of light are reflected again against mirrors at the end of each tunnel, and they're measured by a detector in the end. If one reaches the detector before the other, then you know that they were traveling at different speeds. Well, you probably know where this is going. The two beams of light got where they were going at the exact same time, every time. It turns out there is no ether. And light might be a wave, but it's also a particle that always travels at the same speed in a vacuum. These conclusions laid the groundwork for some of Einstein's theories of general and special relativity, which were some of the most influential scientific ideas of the past century. It just goes to show that science makes as much progress through its missteps as it does through its successes. Research shows you can be a narcissist even if you don't act like one. Remember, just because you're not always talking about yourself doesn't mean you're not always thinking of yourself. Today, I'll tell you how to figure out if you are a covert narcissist. Is this you, Ashley? It really scares me, and I was afraid it was me, but I took the quiz, and it says I'm not, so that's good. I also took the quiz, and you'll never believe what my results were. <laughs> you might. It's actually surprisingly low. Oh, all right. <laughs> I, was, well, I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised. I believe that. <laughs> Well, we're going to learn a little bit about narcissists. And again, we've got a resource if you want to test your narcissism level. Whether you're an overt or a covert one, narcissists are distinguished by these three key personality traits. Conceitedness, self-indulgence, and disregard of others' feelings and well-being. The difference is in how those traits express themselves. While an overt narcissist might openly brag about their brains, looks, or talent, or radio voice, a covert narcissist keeps those beliefs to themselves. Clearly not me. But both of those expressions reflect a narcissist's insecurity. In fact, 
The covert narcissist protects their inflated sense of self-worth by keeping it to themselves. That doesn't mean it doesn't leak out into the world in other ways, though. According to an article from Psychology Today, there are a few things that might make a covert narcissist stand out in your social circle. A few giveaways include quiet smugness, self-absorption, and a lack of empathy. But a couple others include extreme sensitivity and a tendency to see themselves as misunderstood and quote-unquote special. While more extroverted narcissists can be very charming, covert narcissists may have a harder time developing close relationships and may come off as cold and impersonal. Now look, everyone can share some of these traits to a degree, so don't panic. But if you're worried you might be a narcissist, then consider taking the Covert Narcissist Test, also known as the Hypersensitive Narcissism Scale. It was designed by psychologist Jonathan Cheek in 1997, and you can find it in our full write-up on Curiosity.com and on our free Curiosity app for Android and iOS. Just rate how much you agree with 10 statements, add up your score, and see how self-centered you really are. I scored less than the average score for a college student. I'm growing up so fast. Aww. Before we get to our last story, I want to give a special shout out to some of our patrons for supporting our show. Thank you, Ryan Day, Rebecca Broberg, Maximilian Dikarev, Katrina Constantine, and Deborah Posey for contributing to our Patreon page. You are helping us satisfy the curiosity of a lot of people by chipping in to support the show. If you're listening and you want to support Curiosity Daily, then visit patreon.com slash curiosity.com, all spelled out. Even a couple bucks a month makes a big difference. That's less than a broken interferometer. And our patrons get lots of exclusive stuff, like a really exciting full-length Curiosity podcast episode we're releasing in the next few days. One more time, that's patreon.com slash curiosity.com. The Monty Hall problem is a probability puzzle that might make you mad. Get ready for a statistics lesson. I'm getting ready for angry emails. Yeah. I was hesitant to even run this story on the podcast, but people love reading about it. The thing is that when this was originally published, it was answered by one of the smartest women in mathematics in the entire world. And she got like 10,000 letters of hate mail about her answer. Yeah, it's a frustrating problem, but I promise you what we're reporting is right. Absolutely. You can check other sources. It is true. So... Monty Hall was the host of a game show called Let's Make a Deal from 1963 to 1986. And here is how the Monty Hall problem goes. Monty Hall presents you with three doors. One, he says, has a car behind it, which you'll win if you pick it. The other two doors are hiding live goats, which mean you win nothing. Monty Hall asks you to pick a door. Let's say you go with door number one. He doesn't open that door yet, though. Instead, he opens door number three to reveal a goat. So you know that between door number one, which you picked, and door number two, which you didn't, one has a car and the other one has a goat. Now you get the chance to either stick with your choice of door or switch to door number two. Should you switch? The seemingly obvious answer is that it doesn't matter. You've got a 50-50 shot at winning the car either way. The correct answer, though, is that you should absolutely switch. The key to this puzzle is to realize that it's not truly random. Monty Hall knows which door contains the car, and he's not going to open it until the end of the game. Think of it this way. Before you choose a door, there's a one out of three chance that any one of them contains the car. But once you choose door number one and Monty Hall opens door number three to reveal that it doesn't contain the car, door number two's chances shoot up to two-thirds. Remember, there's probably something special about door number two that led him not to open it. 
Here's a different way to break it down. So three things could happen if you choose door number one. If the car is in door number one and you switch to door number two, then you lose. If the car is in door number two and you switch to door number two, then you win. Sort of those two options, you win one and you lose one. Right. Now, here's the third option. Let's say the car is in door number three and Monty Hall opens door number two to reveal a goat. Now, in this case, if you switch to door number three, then you win. So overall, switching wins you the car two out of three times. It's weird. You're right. The mathematician's right. But it still doesn't make intuitive sense. No. There's a great number file video that explains all of this, and you can see that in the article, which we will link to in the show notes. Read about today's stories and more on Curiosity.com. Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.